0: Hi and welcome to another episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views. I am Tris Hussey, sitting in for Paul Comfort. Paul is at the UITP Middle East North Africa Transport Congress and Exhibition in Dubai, where he's moderating a panel on smart mobility management, and also speaking on Tuesday on uh, technology enablers empowering innovation. So I've got the con and here's the news. I'm recording this today on Friday, February the 4th, which would have been Rosa Parks' 109th birthday. So to mark this occasion, it's Transit Equity Day. Transit agencies across the United States are going fare free today to honor this civil rights icon and hero for everything she did to Promote equity and equality in public transit. Now, close to home for me in Metro Vancouver, TransLink has released its Transport 2050 blueprint, which is a hugely ambitious plan to not only cut climate emissions and go all-electric long before the 2050 deadline, but expand things like dedicated bike lanes, more rapid transit to the suburbs. This has been part of a three-year endeavor to build a transit system for Metro Vancouver with this growing population. Now, related to that is the goal of TransLink to be fully emission-free by 2040. Now, here in Vancouver, we have electric trolley buses and all of our subways are not only autonomous, but they're electric. So we have a good head start on a lot of zero emission transportation options, but this is a goal set up by TransLink to be 100% zero emission by 2040. Now related to this, our friends over in Sunline Transit and the city of Indio have launched a pilot liquid hydrogen pump technology and mobile refueling system. Now, as you know, Sunline Transit are one of the leaders in zero emission buses with their own hydrogen generation plant and hydrogen fuel cell buses. So this is a really interesting advance um, for getting hydrogen and hydrogen fuel cells as a viable zero emission bus technology. Across the pond over in the UK, the Elizabeth Line Canary Wharf station has been transferred to Transport for London. Now, if you remember, Mark Wilde was a guest on Transit Unplugged last year, and he's talking about Crossrail UK and the Elizabeth line and getting it literally on track from being off the rails and it looks like everything is well underway and well in hand to launch later this year and an article I read in the BBC, which I'll include in the show notes, talks about the huge fast trains and massive beautiful stations. Sounds like it's going to be a fantastic addition for London's transport community. Staying over in the UK, Transport Scotland has made bus fares free for everyone 22 and younger. Trying to encourage not just the transit habit, but build transit equity and equality with people who need to go to work and school who are just starting out. So if you're 22 and younger or 60 and older, you can ride the bus in Scotland for free. I think that's absolutely fantastic. And finally... Over to Dubai, where Paul is on his way as I record this. According to the United Arab Emirates, Dubai Metro saved a billion car journeys over 11 years that it's been opened and reduced carbon dioxide emissions by, get this, 2.6 million tons. This is an amazing, amazing accomplishment for a notably very car-friendly and once very car-centric city. I think we've, we've heard from the transit leaders in Dubai several times on Transit Unplugged, and they are very much at the forefront of making modern, accessible, innovative transit systems. And that's the news for this week. Stay tuned for our Newsmaker interview, where Paul is talking with Billy Terry, Executive Director of the National Transit Institute at Rutgers. And then to wrap up the show, Paul, Randy Resheff, and myself are talking about the upcoming Executive Summit and Transit Unplugged Live CEO Roundtable that's happening at Think Transit, March 20th through the 23rd. So I hope you stay tuned for that. And now, the interview.
1: This is our Newsmaker interview on Transit Unplugged News and Views. Great to have With us today, Billy Terry, Executive Director of the National Transit Institute at Rutgers, the State University of New Jersey. Billy, thanks so much for being our guest today on the program.
2: Thank you so much for having me, Bob. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah. So Billy and I have been longtime friends to the industry, uh, hang out at conferences, and I see him teaching stuff, and and he's really been... um, and his organization has really been behind a lot of the training that has improved the overall professionalism, I think, of the industry. Billy, tell us a little about yourself and the organization you lead.
2: Well, uh, I'm Billy Terry, uh, my mother's favorite son, only son. Um, <laughs> and, you know, Paul, I've been uh, blessed to, to serve in the transit industry um, for some time Uh, uh Got my foray in transportation working for Mayor Fenty in the D.C. Department of Transportation um, in a a government affairs role Um, and then had the opportunity to serve as the lobbyist for WMATA. uh, in Washington, D.C. Uh, at the time was probably the, 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 the fifth or sixth largest transit agency in the country. And then really had a tremendous opportunity to transition to the government affairs team at the American Public Transportation Association, APTA, where, again, many conferences where you and I hang out, Paul. And um, my time um, serving uh, as lobbyist for the industry has been just absolutely phenomenal. Able to build relationships with uh, leaders in the industry, um CEOs all across the industry. Um and so really, I'm a recovering lobbyist, uh, Paul <laughs> uh, and um and it was the um it was the wisdom and the insight of our good friend, um our dear good friend Paul LaRouche, uh, who left us far too soon, who ran NTI for almost eighteen years, who actually came to me before his retirement, and said, "Hey, what would you think about?" coming and joining NTI and taking over for me. And I said, Paul, I'm a stinking lobbyist. What do I know about training? And he said, well, Billy, but you've done lobbying on virtually every aspect of of transit. Um, So you have a sort of bird's eye view on the industry. And so um, Paul brought me on as the associate director here at NTI. And unfortunately, he passed Soon after I got here um, and I transitioned into the leadership role Um, and and we're at NTI standing on the shoulders of Paul LaRouche, thinking about what NTI looks like over the next 10 years right now. Uh,
1: And tell us about NTI itself, uh, the organization. It's part of Rutgers. Explain kind of the context of it. Uh,
2: Absolutely. NTI is roughly 30 years old, um, uh, was established uh, 91, I believe. and started operations roughly in late, later 92. Um, and we are couched within the Blaustein School of Planning and Public Policy at Rutgers University. So we are essentially an institute within um, a, a policy school at Rutgers University um, and have served here um, at Rutgers for the entire time. And we were established and funded by the Federal Transit Administration uh, within USDOT um, to serve as a training arm for uh, the transit uh, industry. Uh, And if you think about transit, Paul, I can't think of a more multifaceted industry. So within training, you have professionals who um, do procurement, who do risk management, um, who do public involvement, uh, public outreach, et cetera, et cetera. Now we'll be very specific, Paul. Um, To date, NTI has primarily focused on the administrative side of the house, the procurements, the DBE courses, um, the financial management courses, and lesser on the frontline workers. So not much training for operators and maintainers, but um, that could very well change. That could very well change. So we serve as the training arm for the, um, for the industry, um, and um, prior to COVID, we can get into that. We went all across the country doing classroom-style training on those variety of topics, DBE, uh, Title VI, procurement, et
1: cetera, et cetera. That's that's great. And um, so the classes would be I mean, let's talk about now, I guess uh, we will talk about past. So what are you doing now? You've probably had to move a lot of that stuff online, right?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, previously, I would say ninety nine point eight percent of our courses were live on site across the country. Transit agencies graciously gave us conference rooms, et cetera, et cetera. People came from across the country to a single location to do a class for two or three days. And what COVID did, um, it forced us to instantaneously move all of our events to 100% virtual. Um, So literally we went from 0.2% virtual uh, events to 100% virtual events. And so right now we are, laser-like focus on enhancement of our virtual delivery platform as an organization. Um, So that means you have to change, a course, structure. The the group activities that you used to do on site, now we do in breakout rooms in Zoom. Um, We have to do new instructor training to teach instructors how to be more efficient teaching virtually. Virtual classroom management is a real thing, right, Paul? Yes. Um, and um, And we're having thoughts about how do we enhance our remote delivery locations? Right now, our instructors are in their their basements and their dens and their offices. And uh, what does does that look like in the future? Does does NTI um, develop some centralized location where an instructor can come and offer that delivery? Um, And there also are administrative procedures. You know, previously we gave you a big thick book uh, that was the, the 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 course booklet. Now we have to deliver that electronically, and and subsequent materials and activities. So there's a there's an entire gamut of administrative and operational procedures that we're working through now to deliver courses uh, virtually, as compared to on site like we traditionally have done.
1: And you've got some new topical course areas you're working on, right?
2: Yeah, so in addition, Paul, good point um, to trying to Uh, change our delivery model, right? We we all recently saw just what happened to BlackBerry, right? We certainly don't want to be the next BlackBerry, right? Where um, your your delivery mechanism becomes obsolete. But we have to continue to um, speak to the needs of the industry. So just a couple of uh, topics that um, we're focusing on now to develop new courses are technology procurement. You know, you have a number of transit agencies who are procuring um, everything from new software to cameras, et cetera, et cetera. And that that, that camera procurement doesn't look like a, like a bus procurement or a procurement for a crane or something else. So now we want to develop a new course regarding um, tech, technology procurement. And then another topic that we're focused on and we want to develop a course or a seminar, we'll figure out what it is, is data analytics. Analytics. We have a, a number of our rolling stock collecting a tremendous amount of data um, from CAD ABLs to APCs. So we know when this bus comes at this stop, how many people get on and get off at what time of day, et cetera, et cetera. And we're developing this tremendous amount of data on what is the most efficient way to use that to enhance our transit service planning. So those are just two two particular topics that, um, that we're, we're trying to figure out how to develop a, a series of courses for.
1: Let me ask you, when people take these classes, do they get any kind of college credit since you're part of a college? Like continuing we, education credits or something? Hey,
2: well, well, let me be very specific. Um, we offer um, a certificate of completion. Okay. And depending on what professional organization you are a part of, you could potentially receive CEUs. And that's a very good point, Paul, because a lot of people um, uh, sometimes are misconstrued about what um, uh, college equivalent units are. NTI doesn't issue the CEU. So let's say, for example, you take our transportation planning course. Right. Okay. Um, and you are a member of the American Planning Association. Right. You would show that certificate of completion and most likely the agenda to APA and APA will decide whether they are going to issue you X number of CEUs. And um, uh, so and so that's how it works. So there absolutely is the potential to receive CEUs for completing our
1: courses. And, and I know that every course probably costs differently, but can you give us any kind of idea of, you know, it's, it's a course that takes this long. This is how, you know, give us some of the scope of the courses that you're offering now.
2: Well, we actually have very, very few courses that actually cost money. If you are a public sector entity, the overwhelming majority of our courses are free. Um, we do... Um, uh, for some courses that um, there's a fee, and those traditionally have been um, some of our conference-like courses, um, we do... Um Um, a transit maintenance leadership workshop where there's a fee. We have a a seminar that we call our transit academy, uh, where we go to different transit agencies and that's a fee. But um, other than those fee for service courses, all of our courses are free for public sector entities. Having said that, we also offer, um, if there's space and ability for consultants. So if you work for um, um, a consulting company for a nominal fee, we'll allow you to take those courses that are free for the public sector. Um,
1: participants. And how long does a course normally take? Is it like a college class, like three hours a week for, you know, one semester or how does that work?
2: Our courses are predominantly um, two days, three days, and our procurement series runs four days. But then we also have some courses that are four hours and two hours. We have an understanding ADA course that is four hours. We're developing a new diversity course that's four hours. We have a business writing course that's two hours. So most of our courses um, are are two days, three days, four days on site. But let me be very clear, when we've transitioned to virtual, we've taken that on-site equivalent to uh, a virtual equivalent. And and now our structure for uh, for virtual courses Paul has been predominantly 1 to 5 p.m. Monday through Thursday. Right? Okay. So, um and we've come to the conclusion that there's a limit on how much virtual course consumption that a person can take and yeah. um, Consecutive consecutive days, but we do anticipate at some point getting back to on site on site courses.
1: And uh, finally, you have uh, you're trying to do some expansion of your leadership and management courses, right?
2: Yeah, um, you know, historically NTI has uh, stuck its toe in the water of some management courses, but now we're really focused on some very specific uh, topics. We have a course now called Transitioning from Frontline Employee to Frontline Supervisor. Um, we're working a, on a course now pertaining to coaching the uncoachable. When you're a manager and you have very specific issues with the individual or groups of individuals, how do you work through that? Um, we also are going to be working on a course regarding the distinctions between management and leadership, which are very different things, and how your leadership impacts your ability to manage. So we're really, really excited. We've gotten a great response of how we're moving into this field of enhancing the emotional intelligence of supervisors, managers, and leaders in the industry. And FTA has given us uh, been tremendous support from our FTA um, uh, partners, and we're excited about moving forward in that leadership realm.
1: That's wonderful. Those are, those are great courses, Billy, you've got coming up. So if people want to find out more, they go to ntionline.com, right?
2: Absolutely. Uh, there um, you can do a couple of things. You can sign up for our, our email blasts. Uh, which when we send information out, um, uh, you'll get that information. And you can also um, get on our course schedule, um, and it shows um, our courses, again, which are all virtual right now, um, and uh, develop a username and password and register uh, for those courses. You can all do that on our website.
1: So any closing thoughts you'd like to pass on?
2: You know what, I'm I'm just I, I can't even begin to describe how blessed I am to have this opportunity. Um, Paul, we are foolish enough to believe at NTI that if if a person takes our courses and we can in, enhance that individual's ability in doing his or her job, then that that individual's agency is enhanced. And if that individual's agency is enhanced, then the service that they provide is enhanced. And if the service they provide is enhanced, then the community that they serve is enhanced. We are actually foolish enough to believe that
1: sequence. (laughs) So I don't think that's foolishness. I I think that's good thinking, Billy. And and, uh, that is the role of what we're trying to do in this industry, right, is to help our communities. Absolutely, my friend. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Billy Terry, Executive Director of the National Transit Institute. Uh, for being with us, ntionline.com is how people can get a hold of you and access your resources. Thank you so much, Billy, for the work Look you do. For our Institute. Absolutely.
2: Look forward to seeing you soon, Bob. Be
3: blessed. Hi, I'm Alea Carey, a communications consultant who loves working with public transit agencies. In this interview, Billy Terry talks about how the National Transit Institute had to switch, as he puts it, instantaneously from conducting over 90 percent of their classes in person to a full-on pandemic tele-teaching model. We've all been through similar situations in the last two years when we suddenly had to make a big change and let our audiences know what was happening. That got me thinking about the best ways to get big news out quickly. If I had to get big information out quickly and I only had one way to do it, I would go back to good old media relations. Contact your key local news outlets and ask them to help share your message. No matter how well-trafficked your website or how healthy your email list, chances are local news will have more viewers. Being able to pick up the phone or send them an email that they'll actually open is one reason it's so important to keep your media relationships healthy. Before a crisis hits, make sure you're reading and commenting on local stories regularly, and when possible, sharing information to help journalists enrich and improve their work. Once your story is in the press, you and the press outlet can share it on your social channels for further distribution. It would be great if social media lived up to its hype for most of us and was a solid, reliable way to get the word out. But most transit organizations won't have followings big enough for that to be effective. If you'd like to talk more about getting big news out quickly or anything else related to communications and public transit, look me up on LinkedIn. My first name is spelled E-L-E-A, last name, C-A-R-E-Y.
4: Hi, this is Mike Bismire, regional sales director for Pratera. And this is Mike's Minute, where we talk about leadership, mentorship, and kindness with the hopes it'll inspire you to pay it forward. One of the buzzwords we're hearing quite often in our industry currently is the upskilling of workforce preparing for the next generation. And as we listen to this week's guests and the many conferences we have the pleasure of attending, awareness for the continued education in our industry is all around us. That leads directly to the themes I quite often reiterate and talk about, two of which are leadership and mentorship. One doesn't have to look far in transit for opportunities for improvement, advancement, and those that are willing to share and talk and lead on those journeys. I have been blessed in the last 13 and a half years to attend a multitude of conferences, where one can pick from the many options on the agenda to learn and share and meet our peers. The willingness of our leaders to share their learnings, pilot projects, new ideas, highlight and empower new talent is always present. Like the upcoming Think Transit Conference and the annual CUDA and APT offerings, we are blessed with the leadership, mentorship, and amazing keynote speakers and learning opportunities on every agenda. There are so many resources available at no cost in our industry. I implore you to guide your peers, coworkers, and the mentees you are working with towards some of these resources and encourage them to attend an upcoming conference if they've not yet had that privilege. I am always grateful and honored to be in an industry where passionate people wanting to deliver service for the benefit others just share. Thanks to all those who lead, mentor, and are truly kind in sharing those experiences. Thanks for listening. Kindness is cool. And I hope to see you at the Think Transit conference.
0: Welcome to Destination Think Transit. I'm Tris Hussey
2: and I'm Randy Resheff and today we are talking with the host of Transit Unplugged, Paul Comfort, about the live CEO roundtable at Think Transit.
0: So Paul, if memory serves, you've done four of these live sessions at Think Transit. So what is it that you look forward to most about doing these CEO
1: roundtables? You know, uh, well, first off, thanks for having me on, guys. Appreciate it, Randy and Tris. Um, I think what I look, you know, I'm a people person. So what I look forward to most is hanging out with the CEOs. To be honest with you, Uh, my friends, you know, in the business when we can finally be back together in person. I mean, it all. Ties into when I first got this job now nearly five years ago with trapeze and and uh, Kevin Beatty who was the head guy at the time said what do you want to do and I said you know I want to write I want to speak I want to travel I want to help my fellow CEOs improve their transit systems because I just left you know being a CEO in Baltimore and so the CEO roundtable is a chance to get them all together to hang out to socialize a little bit as well as to share ideas so that's where I look. To be honest, with you, that's what I look forward to most. Like the one Trish, that you and I did down, um, we just did at the APTA conference. To me, the most fun part of it was just hanging out with everybody, you know, and catching up on what's happening, socializing, and and all that stuff.
0: Absolutely, no that the APTA panel was fantastic, and if that is any indication of how cool this one is going to be, it's going to blow everyone away because you've pulled together an amazing panel of transit leaders for this live session of Transit Unplugged. When do you? What's the burning issue that you want them to, to really hone in on in this session?
1: Well, that's a great question, and it really it ties into our overall theme of Transit Unplugged, right? Which is, I don't come in with an agenda. And so to be honest with you, what I want them to talk about is whatever they want to talk about. Now, I can tell you what it's probably going to be, right? It's probably going to be driver recruitment, microtransit, getting passengers back on the bus, implementing the new Federal Infrastructure Act. Those are probably the things they're going to want to talk about. But normally the way I like to do it, is just let them take the lead, um, and uh, and so that's what I'm hoping to do this time. And I'm sure we're going to all those topics I talked about and more will come out. Normally, you know, I use that Aristotelian logic, right? The the Western mind is wired to think in threes, and so I ask them about their past, their present, and their future. And, uh, and that's the same way the podcast is, as those of you who are regular listeners would know that. And that's the way I like to run the CEO roundtables. Tell us a little about yourself, your career. I always learn something about them I didn't know. You know, even if I'm their pal and we hang out. They always come up with some little unique little facet, you know, oh, I was a almost Olympic ice skater or something like that, you know, and then uh, and then we'll go into what their current projects are. And Trist, you know, you're in the middle of this with me every day. It is so cool. The things they are working on right now. Um, and we'll cover all that. And then I always like to talk about, you know, what's coming up. Right. What is the future hold for us? You know are autonomous vehicles really going to take off like we thought they were going to, you know, and how, how are they best going to be used? What about Hyperloop? You know, what's happening underneath your city right now, those kind of things. So we'll try to cover all those topics.
0: and, And listening to, as, as we're speaking, I'm working on this week's transit unplugged and we're talking about news. And there's this, I think there's this whole dichotomy of the, of big challenges and huge opportunities and thinking of, I think you've touched on those in your, in the answer to your last question, but, I want, you know, like to really, what do you think is the biggest challenge facing agencies right now? But then on the flip
1: side, what's the biggest opportunity they're facing right now? That's good. You know, um, one of the biggest challenges that really has just come to my attention this week, uh, as I've heard from one or more, I'll just say that CEOs who called me directly is that, I mean, people are going to be kind of flipped out about this, but that the, um, so this one CEO guy calls me and he says, Paul. You're never going to believe what's happened. The mayor's called me and said, oh, you're getting $20 million from the feds? Good. I'll take $20 million out of your budget that we give you. And since you're going to be making the money from the feds, you don't need my local money. Or whatever the dollar amount may be. And I understand that that's been a conversation around APTA uh, and that other cities are looking at this too. And so I think that's a big challenge. And I'm going to address that with these CEOs, because that certainly was not the intent of Congress and the president when they adopted this in the US, this new 40% increase in funding on average for 5307 grantees. Um, the feds didn't want to give that just to have it taken away on the other side. And so I'm concerned about that. And I know this one CEO was and others may be as well. So we want to talk about that. But the other big hot topic, Tris, right now that everyone is facing is every CEO I talk to, and I have talked to maybe 25 in the last two weeks because I've been inviting them to come to this Think Transit conference, uh, is everyone can use at least 100 drivers right now. They're all 100 drivers or more short. And so that's a hot topic. How are we getting them? I mean, I just had a long conversation with a bunch of people yesterday about various uh, means and methodologies to keep, to recruit and retain drivers, you know, whether it's using like our Trappy software to better – do shift picks that are more flexible with people, right? So it kind of meets more like an, an Uber or Lyft driver would kind of be able to call their own schedule and not have to be an eight to 10 hour a day driver, those kind of things. Um, so there's all kinds of different approaches people are taking and we're going to talk about that.
0: So, and now what do you think is that that opportunity? We've got these two okay. big challenges. What's what's going to be like, I don't know, the, the yeah. golden apple people everyone's yeah, reaching yeah. for?
1: So I think, uh, you know, the, the flip side of the federal coin would be if it's not if it's not being taken away on the flip side by your local government, then you're you're gonna have a lot more money as a CEO to spend than your transit agency. And everybody has tons of plans on the books. And so I think it's gonna be implementing that. And to be honest with Tris, the other part that's really interesting about this new funding is about half of it is discretionary. So, you know, the people in the U.S. and I know in Canada, too, are often used to getting what they call formula funds. So the, the government gives you a certain amount of money each year based on you know, how many passengers, how many vehicles, those kind of criteria. Uh, and so you're used to a certain amount of money coming in. And there always were some grants available that you could compete for. But the the U.S. federal government now is putting into place a lot more competitive grant programs. And so agencies – I was just talking with Nat Ford uh, last, last week down at another conference we were at, the APTA Business Members Conference. He's the head of Jacksonville, and he said, you know, they're coming out with all these competitions now. And we have to really analyze uh, carefully all the criteria. And so figuring out ways to um, – to get that money from the feds to put into innovative programs like Natch doing down there would be big. And I think the other one, uh, the other big uh, topic and, and opportunity for transit agencies now is what you and I and have talked about numerous times with folks, which is COVID, the pandemic and the lack of ridership gave transit agencies an opportunity, what we would call an inflection point where they can say, you know, what do we really want to be about? Are we just really primarily about commuters? Or can we also maybe achieve some policy goals, such as being better stewards of the environment and adding more equity and inclusion? And I think what we're seeing is this is a golden opportunity for public transit agencies right now to say, you know what, as we reshape our service to meet the demands of tomorrow, we're going to make sure that we build into that, you know, more equity inclusion. We're going to put bus stop shelters out in areas where in the past they've only had sticks in the mud, you know, or we're going to uh, make sure that microtransit covers the folks who uh, have been in transit deserts. And we don't have enough people there to run a 40-foot bus, but we want to add some service to these people who are in those kind of things. So I think that that equity and inclusion, cleaning up the environment, moving towards zero emission buses, all that part of it Those are some real opportunities for transit agencies. And we'll make sure that we ask the CEOs about what they're doing in that area. Uh, as we get them on the panel uh, on our CEO roundtable. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um,
2: And Paul, just moving back into Think Transit a little bit more now. I know you've been to quite a few of them, but do you have a favorite memory of a past Think Transit?
1: Yes, I do. Uh, My favorite memory was, you remember when, um, I'm a big Seinfeld fan, and you know he has that thing where he does uh, comedians in cars drinking coffee. It's like a YouTube show or whatever. I think it's on Netflix or something now. But um, we tried to do something similar to that a couple years ago in Nashville, where we did CEOs in AVs talking transit. So we had the autonomous vehicles there set up outside in the parking lot, and um, and so we got several CEOs to come out who. Most of them had never ridden in an autonomous vehicle before, up until that time, because this was like three years ago, maybe, maybe two. I forget whenever we did Nashville, but anyway, so we had them sit in there, and I remember, you know, talking to them for the first time, interviewing them live, or, you know, recording them while they're in this vehicle without a driver for the very first time in their lives, and it was it was hilarious. It was so much fun having them, you know, just they were. I was asking them, "What do you think?" You know, and some of these vehicles, you know, they have really hard stops uh, because they don't want to hit anybody, and so we had a couple of those while we were. There, you know, uh, and so anyway, it was a lot of fun. And so, that, I think that's one of my favorite memories is, is having some of my buddies who are CEOs, uh, experiencing this for the first time while I'm interviewing them for, for a podcast.
2: <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that that would be a very wild and interesting experience for them to have at Think Transit. Um, so we kind of looked into the past a little bit, but what are you most looking forward to about this year's Think Transit?
1: So I'm looking forward to the Executive Summit the most. So the Executive Summit is a one one and a half day event curated by and for... Um, you know, the C suite of our customers, anybody with a C in their title, right? Chief customer officer, chief financial officer, chief information officer, chief executive officer, chief operating officer, all those kind of categories. It's an event just for them and it's taught by them. So I asked a bunch of the CEOs in the industry, what would you like to learn this year? What do you want to talk to your fellow uh, compatriots about? And so we got some really interesting topics, you know, things like, how to Handle Homelessness and Mental Illness on, uh, in Public Transit, because that's been a hot topic as people are going to free fairs, right? And so, uh, and so we came up with a list of like maybe a dozen topics, and I invited, I think, 20 or 22 CEOs uh, and executives to come speak. And, and Randy, every single one said yes. They're all super enthused about coming to this and sharing. And we've got some really big names in the industry that we're just starting to release those names who are going to be speaking at the Executive Summit. So I want to encourage people who are listening to this, who fit that category, who are senior executives in a transit agency. It's only $149. And you get access to the whole conference. So you should definitely register. You should definitely come. It's going to be uh, one of the best uh, experiences I think you've ever had at a conference.
2: That sounds really incredible.
1: Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm really excited about it. Not that I'll probably have time to go because I'll be wrangling on the executive summit <laughs> the, the live broadcast that we're going to be talking about. But I'm really looking forward to a yet another CEO live CEO roundtable. Those are so exciting for me. Paul, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to Randy and I for this segment of Destination Think Transit. And we're looking forward to seeing all of you at Think Transit March 20th through 23rd. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Transit Unplugged News and Views and to our special guest, Billy Terry for really great insights on how his organization pivoted to online learning at the beginning of the pandemic. And next week, we have part two of our Legacy Leaders series. And then after that, we'll start getting interviews from the UITP MENA Congress and Expo that was held in Dubai just last week. So until then, ride safe and ride happy.